it's a probably good day for some probably bad RPG ideas. Thanks to all our patrons for helping us keep going, especially Scribbles and Carlo. Moi, moi, these are my kissing noises. Moi. Hello, welcome to Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. Today's Probably Bad RPG idea is... Your character is a tree druid who can channel nature to control humans. I think more like nature beings need to remember that humans are, in, are a part of nature, like we're just animals too. Yeah, I, I had this discussion with someone the other day about could... Like if you're playing an awakened animal, Mm-mm. who ha- who is a druid, can you wild shape into a human? I would argue yes. Um, sorry, I'm just looking something up because awaken D and D fifth edition, you cast it on a a creature who's huge or smaller and has an intelligence score three or less. Can you cast that on a baby? I mean, I guess it would have a low intelligence. Yeah, I would argue a baby would have, like, an intelligence of one or two. And is an animal. Yeah, and it's small. Yeah, I cast Awakened Baby. We just skip over all the, like, years of growing up, and boom. This well, is thing how we... is, Awakened doesn't change your physiology. No. So it would still be, like, an actual baby. Like, yeah. It would be a, a little idiot that can't hold up its head on its own, except without the idiot part. It gains the ability to speak. Um, My question think... is... Yeah. So it, it gains like an adult level of cognition when you awaken yeah. it. Does it then just stay at that level forever? Or when it... Fuck, that's a good when question. When its cognition increases as it grows up, does it become like a super genius? Yeah, presumably it would just keep getting smarter because it's still a baby, so it's still growing. I think we just invented a way to make a super genius boss baby. Is is boss baby just an awakened baby? Yeah. That's that. That is. I've I've never seen Boss Baby, but I'm going to assume the plot is a druid cast awakened baby on the baby of a businessman. Well, I will say that the awakening of the Boss Baby is temporary. Mm. That is sad. So I, I don't think it's a true awakening spell. There, there's an AU. Just yeah, yeah, it's kind of messed up, honestly. Like when you watch Boss Baby. It's like, well, I, I have the option to stay as a boss baby and, you know, go back to where babies come from and do do all of that business nonsense. Or I can stay here and become an idiot. So, like, back into no the womb? Or... No, babies come from... It's like an astral office building? I don't remember the details. But yeah, 
There's boss babies that make sure the babies go to the right place. I hope you're all enjoying this boss baby deep dive, which I'm sure is what you asked to asked to listen to. I would like to stop talking about boss babies. <laughs> okay, so back to shape shifting into humans. No, back to plants that control humans. Yes. Because, I mean, I feel you could cast summon nature's ally and summon at least like a hippie. Yeah, like, what is the CR of just, like, a peasant human? I assume it's, like, a quarter at most. Yeah, I think it's a quarter or a half. So a single level in Druid, you could turn into a human. Mm. And summon humans, I think. Yeah, they're, they're a low enough CR to summon. Well, just you're sitting there having your dinner, and then you're just boom, manifest. You're just flung through space and find yourself in front of a tree who tells you to go beat up a lumberjack. This is a common. I mean, I, I would do it honestly. I mean, I think at that point I'd just be like, "Yeah, apparently this is happening." Can a plant druid cast plant growth to just make babies appear all over an area? Just animal growth. Um, Nick, edit out the bits where we duck things up. Or edit in more space where it sounds like we're looking things up. I just want to know whether a plant druid could theoretically replace any mentions of plants in spells with animals. I'm going to say... I'm going to say yes. Ooh, um... Animal Growth was a 3.5th edition spell. It's no longer in 5th edition. Can I cast fat on a baby? Was, was Animal Growth like distinct from like the enlarged spell that we now have? Or? Uh, yeah. It, it makes animals like... It basically makes animals into like big, badass versions of the animal. Oh, cool. So I guess it would be like, essentially it's a spell to make an animal into a dire animal. That I'm into. Um, so I have dire... also just remembered the existence of transport via plants. Transport via dude. Which I guess is kind of, like, transport via animals at least is how some plants spread their seeds. Hmm. So we've got what, precedent. Yeah, what it is is you get someone to open their mouth and then you just climb in, then you climb out of another guy's ass. <laughs> it is not particularly pleasant for any of the guys involved. I'm pretty sure this is the quickest into a podcast that we've gone absolutely horrific body horror. Like, presumably the spell makes it so it doesn't do any physical damage. I mean, just because it doesn't do damage doesn't mean it isn't going to, you know, I feel like it might do some psychic damage, regardless of your intention. How much psychic damage does it cost for a guy to just, for a tree man to just climb out of your ass? Although looking at transport via plants, it does specify inanimate plant. So it's possible that transport via humans would only include corpses. Somehow it seems more disturbing if, like, mid-funeral, a, tr- uh, a treant just climbs out of the corpse. 
But that's at least better for the treant than if it's post-funeral. Hmm. That's why tree. That's why plants grow so thick over corpses because all of the plants are just teleporting there. That makes sense. They're just trying to get out of the grave. Yeah. So I think the idea of dire humans is one that hasn't been like properly examined because like there's dire apes. Hmm. So I guess maybe like a troll or ogre is a dire human. I think this should be dire babies. Well, things I know. I know that trolls are giants. Mm. I think in terms of kind of creature. Yeah. Okay, it says ogres are too, so I don't think they get to be dire humans. I think it would have to be the humanoid creature type. Orcs, maybe. I can see an orc being a dire human. Yeah. Are humans dire halflings? I also like that idea. If you cast, like, animal growth on a halfling, you get a human. Actually, aren't orcs medium? They are, yeah. I feel like a true dire human would have to be the size category large. Mm. If a, if an, an orc gets really, really hench... <laughs> Well, because orcs are just, like, the height of a large human, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, like, they are... They're large humans, but they are still medium-sized. Yeah, larger humans. Definitely not opening up D&D Beyond to try and find a large humanoid. I notice we haven't actually addressed the controlling humans part of it. Yeah, I think like I think we should sort of gone to, you know, why shouldn't druid spells in general affect humans? Which we have established they should because humans are animals. Yeah. I feel any, at the very least, any spell that would affect an ape should affect a human. Just, you know, because we are a species of great ape. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly trying to remember a spell that controls plants as opposed to making them appear. Yeah, I was assuming it was kind of like, yeah, this idea you had of a plant druid can treat animals in the same way an animal treats plants? Okay, so it would be as a spell that normally controls... But this is what I'm saying. I can't find... In, in my brain, I cannot find... I don't know why I'm phrasing it like that. Um, a spell that controls plants as opposed to making them grow. Hmm. I mean, maybe the idea is that, like, that is technically controlling plants, it's just there's not really very much plants can do other than grow. Or maybe they control humans by making them grow, too. Like, they don't make you throw a punch, they just make your arm grow really long, so it punches them. So for entangle, you just, like, a human's fingers and toes get really, really long and grab onto you as you walk past. 
We're gonna have to put a body hurt tag on this one. We got our first content warning one. I'm honestly surprised it took us this long. But yeah, like presumably against a human. No, we've had content warnings before. I think like yeah, it would just grow the human Oh my god, you cast it on like a crowd of humans and they just grow into like a massive like grabbing arm tentacles. Because, you know, trees wouldn't consider this particularly horrific because they just, they just do this. Mm. You could make it less horrific by making it, like, a mass of hair, I guess. I guess, yeah. But why would you? Brilliant hairdresser who just cuts off bits of hair and then when attacked makes the hair grow into entanglement. If humanoid druids can only use plant-based weaponry, Mm -mm. do plant ones have to only use, like, bone and meat? Yes, I think so. Like, if a tree becomes a druid, it has to wear armor made of babies. And wield a club made out of just a human thigh. I was thinking the tree is quite big, a club made out of just a human. They're grabbing them by the legs. Yeah, I can see that. There's a whole new meaning to the word meat shield. Yeah, which they also have. Yeah. I think we've created, like... I think we've created, like, the most horrifying druid. Like, not necessarily the most evil. But certainly the most horrifying. Definitely the most horrifying. Well, there are much, there are much more like evil things, like things that cause more pain or suffering. You could do with druid powers, but I think this is probably like the most unpleasant thing you could do with druid powers. May plant growth, but it applies specifically to teeth. Entangle in teeth would be. Absolutely horrific. Yeah, that is probably one of the worst things you could do with magic. I think that's a clue to move on to questions. Right, our first question is from Coco Demon. Thanks for that. My cat just tried to eat D10. Is there a way to remedy this? Did you say f- thanks for that to the person's username? I did, yes. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, this is a sign that your cat is becoming a barbarian, so you mm. should take the appropriate precautions. What you need to do is stop letting your cat read uh, 1990s Christian propaganda about how D&D is sinful and encourage them to accept a more open-minded view of the world and stop trying to sabotage your D&D campaigns. Okay, so you're saying it isn't that the cat wants to join in? The cat wants to prevent you from being able to use your dice. Yeah, cats are very susceptible to propaganda. My cat is right now talking about how Elon Musk is a super genius who should be allowed to own Twitter. Um, I'm afraid there's nothing we can do for your cat. I know. (laughs) But yeah, so I think the important thing is after the cat ate the D10, 
Mm-hmm. Did it eat it while it was grabbing it and like trying to move it, but then it got in its mouth? Or did it eat it and then hand you like a pamphlet about uh, Jesus? That's because one of those one of those two things will have happened. So I think I think we need to address both possibilities just to make sure that Cocoa yeah. Demon is safe. Yeah. So if your cat has become a fundamentalist Christian, mm. I suggest that you show it things like um, just like comedy, actual play type stuff, just to make it see that yeah, this is actually harmless. Yeah. Maybe show it some other fantasy media. Maybe explain to it that um, Mazes of Monsters is based on a misreporting of the situation. If you could find the actual plays hosted by cats, those will be best because, you know, they'll be something it already has a good grounding in. Yeah, you've got to start with the familiar. Mm. If your cat wants to join in, if it wants to play a barbarian, um, then the main problem the cat has, of course, is that it doesn't really have thumbs. So yeah. you need to give the cat little, little hand gloves so it can use the dice. You need to get in touch with a roboticist friend. We all have mm. one. Yeah. And have them make little bionic thumbs you can attach to your cat's paws. Alternately, if you know a tree who's a druid, they might be able to just do some magic for this. Just awaken the cat. Yeah. Maybe um, the cat has already been awakened, yeah. but hasn't learned human. Yeah, try, give, try like rolling your, signing your cat up to Duolingo and see if that can teach it um, how to speak English. And that will hopefully also explain whether it's um, a fundamentalist or a desperate need to play D&D. Although third possibility... Mm. Are your dice mice? Like, have you just written numbers on a mouse and rolls, roll them? Fourth because possibility. It... Is your cat hard of hearing and misheard dice as mice and was like, oh, it's a weird looking mm. mouse, but I'll go for it. Yeah. Is Does your cat follow, like, Alice in Wonderland logic? Does it regularly, like, appear and disappear except for a floating smile? Because if so... Mice and dice might just be too close for it to avoid the wordplay. If your cat is a barbarian Cheshire cat, mm. usual barbarian proofing tactics might not work. Yeah, to be you, fair. You, can, you can pad things, you can hide your weaponry, but if it's a Cheshire cat, it's going to find it. Yeah. To be fair, if you do get to join in the game, that's a pretty awesome character. That is actually. Um, so I think we've covered like every possible situation in which a cat would eat a d10 we do also need to extract a d10 if the cat does succeed next time yeah just just put your arm in there and take it out put your cat in a centrifuge this will also stop it trying to eat a d10 again yeah <laughs> So I feel like we've successfully, like, given every reason a cat would need to do 10 and why to st- how to stop them. Uh, our next question is anonymous. How can I stop one of my players who knows all the monsters from metagaming? Hit them over the head with the monster manual until they forget. So the easy answer 
by the easy answer, I mean the good answer, is uh, refluff the monsters. Like, you can genuinely get quite a, few, quite a good way away with this by just not using the names. Like, instead of saying, you meet an ogre, you meet a tall, hulking, humanoid creature. Because that does make it, um, you know, it makes it less obvious what creature you're attacking. And if you like, you know, one of my favorite ideas was Red Dragon that's smart enough to paint itself blue. Oh, I love that. Mm. Um, the other idea is let the monsters metagame as well. Like, the players have access to the monster manual, so to make it fair, the monsters have access to the players' character sheets. Oh, so the the monsters know your weaknesses and what magic items you have. Yeah. If you like, make the monsters metagame and the monsters know about the players. Like, if one of your players is particularly impatient, all of the monsters just, like, roll 20 incredibly minor attacks that won't hit but will be very frustrating for the entire battle. Have you considered... Creating ungodly amalgams of the creatures in the Monster Manual. Mm. Like, you know, what happens if a banshee somehow manages to have a baby with a knoll? Make them a fight nanshi. her. A nanshee. A nanshee. Or possibly a bull. Mm. I think, yeah, Tell them they're fighting a bull, but it's actually mm. a bull. Just speak very, very unclearly. <laughs> in the room, you see a. I do think Monsters in Disguise is actually like both a good way of dealing with this and quite a cool like thing. Because mm. the because the monsters will know that people know about their um, weaknesses. At least the more intelligent ones. Yeah, the more intelligent ones. So they will. I, oh, I guess wise rather than intelligent. Yeah. And so they will, like, so it's perfectly reasonable that, like, you know, a red dragon knows that people know it's weak to weak to cold damage and thus takes steps to, like, either avoid that happening or avoid people knowing it's a red dragon. Mm. Like, a vampire has, like, a laundry list of weaknesses. And so a vampire has a strong incentive to make sure people think it's a different type of undead. What kind of undead is strong against being stabbed in the heart? I mean, I'm gonna say ghouls. Why not? If you yeah, stab something a... about it, like I guess ghosts and skeletons are <laughs> they are, they are strong against stabbing. No, I just so a vampire presumably doesn't need its flesh. The only bits it needs is its heart. So a vampire just takes off teeths. Its teeth and its heart. So a vampire just takes off all of its skin and muscle and organs and just pretends to be a skeleton. So you have to look really closely in the ribcage to see if its heart is still in there. Yeah. Like, yeah, you could do a similar thing with, like, people who make constructs know that people know the weaknesses of them, so they design them differently, so they don't look as obviously like the constructs. But anyway, back to the monsters being allowed to metagame. 
if the monster is smart enough, you can just use this to roast your players as they fight the monster. You're going to destroy me? I guess you already destroyed that haircut, didn't you? I mean, I thought you meant more based on their previous actions, but I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, um... If you're in a relationship with Wonder Players, use this monster attack to dump them, giving them disadvantage to further rolls. But yeah, so the actual answer is... Um, psychic damage by just standing there listing all of the horrible things that happen to their character. Because they're a D&D &D character. Bad hmm. things have happened to them. Yeah. You come, you, you break into the, the dragon's lair and they've got a human shield consisting of all of the, like, beloved goblin NPCs that the party has fallen in love with. Yes. The treant is wearing armor made of gimbal jangles the goblin. Not gimbal jangles! <laughs> One thing I can't believe we've mentioned yet as a, like, actually good idea is try homebrewing some stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that is the other easy way of doing it. Like, yeah, even if you're not up to, like, you know, fully creating a new thing, like homebrewing a new variant, even just a new variant of a monster, which will have different weaknesses and abilities. Or, like, you can find some homebrew that someone else did. Yeah. So it's just not official so they don't know about it. Yeah, also, homebrew is fun. It is. Which I'm going to take as a way to transition towards the end of the episode, because we have a Patreon, which has monthly homebrews, as well as bonus episodes and short RPGs. So, you know, if you want to use some of our homebrew to confuse your players, you can go to patreon.com slash probablybadrpgideas. That, that was seamless, right? That was seamless. We, we are getting very good at this. <laughs> um, if you have a question, especially if your name, if your username is worse than Coco Demon. I look forward to seeing what people come up with on that. And you want, and you want to make pencil read it. Um, you can message us on Tumblr at Probably Bad RPG Ideas. On Twitter at Bad Probably or email probablybadpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we have merch on Redbubble as Probably Bad. And, and remember, remember to have, to have a, a Probably, probably bad, bad Day. day.